Hello. Welcome, everybody, Hi. to another episode of Make Exchange. Hi, Johnny. How's it going? It's going all right. How you doing? Pretty good. Yeah? I'm, I'm ready to be spooked. Wow. <laughs> I don't know if I'm ready to bring it. Oh, no. I don't know if I... Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Of course, I'm going to bring it. Not <laughs> you only always bring get, it. Gonna, we're going to get spooky today. We're going to get scary. We're going to talk about some people's phobias. My personal phobia, snakes. Are you afraid of snakes? You know, it's hard to say. I, I've never really been... It's not a, hard to say. It's a yes or no question. It, if I'm like near a snake, I don't really care. Uh, when they're not around is when it gets real scary. No, like if, if, if I'm like standing somewhere and a fucking King Cobra's there, I'm definitely scared. Wait. I've only seen a King Cobra at a zoo behind glass. Yeah. That doesn't scare me. No, no. I meant like if I'm in the wild and a, like a rattlesnake or something shows up, I would be terrified. Oh, oh okay. Have you ever been in the wild and see, seen a rattlesnake? Rattlesnake? No. Uh, King Cobra? No. In, oh. in a, Black Mamba? <laughs> I wish. Uh, Ass. No. Uh, I've seen like garden pit, snakes. Pit viper. Oh. I'm trying to think of... Uh, More snakes? Uh, yeah, venomous snakes that actually exist. Okay, garden snake. Yeah, I've seen some garden snakes. Are those the ones that um, terrify you? No, I like garden snakes. I would chase them into the woods. Sounds like you're not afraid of snakes. No, I'm more afraid of like spiders, I would say. Uh, yeah, well, spiders are scary too. I am afraid of snakes traditionally. Okay. You know, if I saw a snake, I like to think I'd be able to handle myself, mm. uh, but probably not. I'd probably like cry and shit my pants and jump on a chair and squeal. Uh, I'm not good around snakes. I grew up yeah. in a part of town, San Diego, Southern California, where we do have rattlesnakes. So okay. I'd, uh, I would encounter them often. One time I was at my house and I came out the front door and there was this wall um, on the side of the yard and there was like this little like hole in the wall. And there was a snake's body that was coming out of the hole in the wall, but the snake was trying to climb down the wall and was like trying to go behind some trash cans. Uh -huh. So I couldn't see the head of the snake. Yeah. I couldn't see where it began or where it ended. It was just this snake body. It like, you know, from my perspective looked unending, just slithering out of this hole behind this trash can. And that haunted me. <laughs> that messed me up. Uh, uh, that site, it was like no good. I, cu I couldn't like walk there for, for like weeks. I was like, yeah, I'll go uh, around the other side of my house through the bushes. <laughs> no snakes there. I have the same thing, but with bees. Uh, one time when I was in camp, a kid drank a soda. Like he had like we were uh, doing like a field trip. And the kid left the soda, the can of Coke, and he drank it, and there was a bee in, bee in it, and it stung his mouth. And ever since then, if I leave a soda out, I have to take my iPhone flashlight and look, and there's like a fly or something in there. The bee inspector. The bee inspector. The reason I'm bringing up snakes is because today's episode was going to be about South American cryptids. Oh, yeah. And, you know, in South America, one of the most famous cryptids is the Titan Boa. Okay. The largest snake on Earth uh, to ever exist was the Titan Boa. Mm -hmm. Currently, they say the Titan Boa is extinct, quote unquote. And so the current largest snake on Earth would be the green anaconda. You may remember this from the movie Anaconda. Yeah. You ever seen that movie? Yeah, we watched it together, remember? Yeah, Jennifer Lopez. Yeah, yeah. John Voight. John Voight, he's always like, like the whole movie. Yeah, he's like pretending to be French, yeah. like Creole. He's like, 
you're not prepared for this snake, mon ami. If I remember correctly. I think we should just listen to Donald Trump, see what he has to say. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> the real snake. Anyways, some people say the Titan Boa still exists. And that was going to be, you know, what this episode was about. Does the Titan Boa exist? Uh -huh. Does it not exist? Well, let's just cut to the chase. Most people think it doesn't exist. Okay. They, they think it went extinct uh, between 58 and 60 million years ago. And so they know it exists because they mm. found some fossilized records of its vertebrate vertebrae. The Titan Boa is about as wide as this table here, oh front to back. And uh, it could be like 40 feet long. So it would probably go across this whole room or four times as long as your average bedroom. Right. Because your bedroom is like 10 to 12 feet mm -hmm. wide. Maybe if you live in a nice big room. So imagine four times that. Okay. And um, as wide as a little, you know, nice little desk. That's the Titan Boa. That thing, you know, yeah, swallow you up in one gulp, rip you, rip you apart, sink its fangs <laughs> into your eyeballs. I don't want fangs in my eyeballs. Yeah. Thank God the thing doesn't exist. Yeah. Thank God. It, it, it's, this is reminding me of like the giant squid where they were like, they couldn't find a, a, a live one. Oh my God. You're right. Yeah. The giant squid was said to be um, a monster of the ocean. Yeah. Like a kraken, you know, just this legendary creature that pirates and sailors would talk about from like the 1700s, the 1800s. Um, you know, they'd go out whaling and they'd be like, well, we see the whales fighting <laughs> giant squids sometimes. But people thought they were just old sailors. Tales. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then in like 2006, they found a giant squid for the first mm -hmm. time ever. Yeah. Just very recently. Um, that actually had a significant effect on me. I remember that news story and it kind of inspired me in some way to make this show all these years later. Really? Not directly, but that really did kind of get me interested in the idea of legends that could be true, you know, and uh, we explore a lot of that stuff on this show. I mean, they say the most of the world's oceans have been like, we've only explored like a, I don't want to say an exact number, but like a small percentage. Yeah. So we, we never know. We, we currently don't know what's actually down there. Speaking of legends that could be true, it's the reason why this episode is not actually about the Titan Boa. Uh -huh. Because in doing some research, I found a story that I think is way more fascinating than do these giant snakes exist or not. <laughs> and this story is about an explorer named Percy Fawcett, who says he saw a Titan Boa in okay. 1925. Mm -hmm. um, but Percy Fawcett later disappeared in the Amazon searching for a lost city, which he called Z. Oh, and I actually, city of snakes, <laughs> city of snakes. I actually find this to be a way more fascinating story. Okay. So I just want to share the story of Percy Fawcett sure. with everybody today. And along the way, maybe we'll get some Titan Boa facts yeah. and uh, some other cryptids. Percy Fawcett um, was a British explorer who was born in 1867. And his brother was like um, an author, a renowned author and occultist, and he would write these adventure books. Okay. So Percy, I like to think, may have been inspired by his older brother who was writing all these adventure books. Percy says, you write the stories, well, I'm going to live the stories. Okay. Uh, it wouldn't be a Make a Strange episode. Any podcast. Any podcast. <laughs> if I didn't get a notification right in the middle. It's almost, you know, it's good luck. It is good luck. It's the sign of a it's the sign of a good episode. 
His father was also a member of the Royal Ge- Geographical Society, which okay. in England, um, everything is some sort of royal society. They take the word royal society and then they put the most boring word in the middle. Yeah. It's like royal lawnmower society, <laughs> you know, for all like the gardeners out there. And yeah. uh, royal pencil sharpener society. Dude, I want to join the, that one. The RPS. Nothing feels better than having like a nice sharpened pencil. Exactly. We need these sharp pencils yeah. to make progress happen. Uh, never mind. <laughs> yes. I was just going to bring about nothing. Dude, remember in school when like you just had to get up and go to that wall sharpener and just make like so much fucking noise and like sharpen your pencils. Did you have those? Yeah, dude. I loved going Me to, too. The, to the wall sharpener. But it'd be like you. I. My teacher would always, like, I would always have to raise my hand to go to it because it was so fucking loud. Oh, I would go to that thing just to blow off some steam. Yeah, same. You know, I'd be there working on a paper and then I'd be like, eh, life is too monotonous sometimes. You just press really hard on your pencil. Break. Yeah. You break Ooh. the tip on purpose. Yeah. Ooh, now I got an excuse to get out of my seat. And I would milk this yeah. for as long as possible. I would go over to the pencil sharpener. It's mounted on the wall. And you know, it always had like the calibration yeah. wheel on yeah, it. Yeah. Even though every pencil on earth is the same fucking yes. number two pencil. <laughs> this thing had like nine different pencil calibrations yeah. in there. So I would just cycle through them, you know, just because I was like, oh, I want to make sure this is like uh, finely tuned yeah. to my pencil. Uh, my favorite was always when it got full, having to empty it. Yeah, I don't know. It was just fun to open it and seeing all the different pencil shavings. Um, also, I would try to do it as slow as possible. See how. Um, did you ever get a pencil stuck in one of those? Like it was too small and you tried to get it in. Too I small. I would have pencils like this small sometimes and I would just try to get it in. And, like, oh, yeah. It would yeah. just get stuck in there. <laughs> no, I wasn't asking for trouble. Yeah. I mean, because the thing was screwed to the wall. They would yeah. have to like unscrew it and like you can't tilt it to shake it out. I, I hope kids uh, nowadays still have to use those. I hope they're still in schools. Uh, the cool thing after when I was in middle school was like the suction cup pencil sharpener. You put it on your desk. And you like oh, yeah. Suck it down. And then you could just do it right there from the table. You don't have to get up. Yeah. That was the baller move when you had your own. And also mechanical pencils. Oh, yeah. I Kids in my school would uh, hit their mechanical pencil. So it was super long. And they'd be like, check it out. I'm doing heroin. And then they would like hold it and flip it into their arm. Like, and, like they would go in. Uh, Kids at your school were uh, pretty advanced. Yeah, I, I'm thinking back and I'm like, that's probably fucked up. That they were they're, doing they're pretty cool. Uh, kids at my school would get um, pixie sticks. They'd be like, oh, Yo, yeah, snort, check it snort out. Them? It's a drug. And they'd yeah, snort uh, pure sugar and uh, it's bad. cry. It's a bad time. Anyway, sorry, derailed from Percy. Yeah, Percy Fawcett was uh, also friends with Arthur Conan Doyle. Wow. So I believe that's the guy who wrote... Uh, Sherlock Holmes, Sherlock Bones, Sherlock Bones. <laughs> but uh, Percy, being an explorer of the Amazon, lent his notes to Arthur Conan Doyle. And these are the notes that inspired the book, The Lost World. Which oh. was the name was stolen. Yeah, for the Steven Spielberg Jurassic Park sequel. All of that is just to say that Percy Fawcett was like a well-known and well-respected adventurer in his time. Mm-hmm. And he was obsessed with the Amazon jungle and South America. Okay. Uh, this was in the turn of the century, like 1900, like 1910, 1911. Uh, in fact, actually, his first expedition to South America was in 1907. You see, as I, as, as I has previously mentioned, his father was a member of the Royal Geographical Society, <laughs> and they were in charge of making maps. 
Okay. And so he sent his son, Percy, on a trip to go map out uh, the Amazon. And uh, it was on this trip in 1907 that Percy claims to have seen and shot a 62-foot-long snake that was six feet wide. Damn. Which would be a Titan boa. He murked that fool. It would be a Titan boa. He says that he shot it and killed yeah. it. <laughs> um, Where's the body? This claim resulted in him being ridiculed by scientists. I bet. Yeah, nobody <laughs> believed him. They all made fun of him. Um, but that wasn't the only cryptid he claimed to have seen. He also says that he saw a cat-like dog about the size of a foxhound, which he says he saw twice. And he says he saw something called the giant Apazuaca spider, which is said to have poisoned a number of local people. I want to hear about that. No spiders. Yeah. Um, he made a bunch of expeditions in the early 1900s, making maps about South America. And he brought two people with him. His close friend, um, whose name I don't have off the top of my <laughs> head right here, um, and his son. And he only brought two people with him because he was afraid of if he had too big of a crew, maybe there would be a mutiny or something. He okay. had to have people he could trust because he was going into the jungles and communicating with like the local tribes. Okay. And he had to be very precarious about how he acted. He would always bring gifts um, to pay tribute to the chiefs because that was the custom if they were going to be bringing strangers in. And he was renowned for being patient and very good at operating with the locals. Mm. And he was able to map out um, an extensive part of the Amazon uh, jungle just traveling the rivers. He was able to travel further into the Amazon just uh, sailing up the rivers than anybody who had come before him. Okay. And while he was doing this, he started to hear rumors of an ancient city of gold. El Dorado. It was El Dorado. Oh. It was El Dorado. Oh, really? <laughs> it really was. It was the city of Hell El Dorado. Yeah. Um, Europeans had come to South America for the first time in like the 1500s. Okay. About 400 years before Percy uh, had arrived. And this was the first time they had encountered like the Incas and the native people of Mexico. This is sounding very similar to that Disney movie. <laughs> uh, the Road to El Dorado? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, this is kind of the story of El Dorado. Okay, that's It cool. was these conquistadors, Hernan Cortez and yeah. his men, who first met these natives, and they were given um, gold plates and silver plates and gold armor. Basically, the natives of South America had more gold than these guys could like ever imagine. And okay. it was um, in all of their art. They had so much gold that it was just like kind of casually used yeah, yeah, in clothing, in toys, in jewelry. And so they would just use these as bartering tools to the Spanish. Mm. To the Spanish, though, this was incredible because they were like, oh, yeah, these guys don't know what they have. They don't know. <laughs> you know what was more valuable to the native people of South America than gold? Uh, salt bird feathers. Oh, bird feathers. Okay. They would make, um, astonishing robes out of like mm. real, really rare bird feathers. That's cool. And the bird feathers were harder to collect than the gold was. And so bet, yeah. these bird robes were, bird robes. these bird robes were more valuable 
to uh, the Incans than than the gold was. Mm-hmm. And so they would barter the gold willingly. Okay. This fucking... It made the Europeans insanely thirsty for gold. I bet. Um, and the, the things that they were being presented, the records say that this was more beautiful art made out of um, gold and silver than anybody else in the world could produce. Basically, these guys had okay. come from like Italy and Spain and mm. France where they considered the greatest artists in the world. They had also explored like the Middle East and Asia, mm. right? But this mm. was their first time in South America. And they said the art made out of gold here is better than anywhere else in the world. Because it was shiny. Because it was so shiny. <laughs> and um, when they saw, when they reached the uh, capital, which is today Mexico City, um, I'm not going to try to pronounce the name. I'll try to pronounce the name. Yeah. Here we go. But I'm going to get it wrong. Uh, it's no it's, way. it's something like. I'm not. Gonna, <laughs> it's like T-C-H-E-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-
from disease brought by um, European explorers. That's what I was going to ask. Was it the... Yeah, it was the, the Spanish. It was the Spanish who came and brought smallpox. Um, it's a part of history at yeah. this point. I mean, it was 500 years ago. So this is before anybody uh, watching this podcast. You yeah. Know, um, before our grand, our great-grandparents were born. It's, uh, it's, I mean, it's one of those facts of history that's just like so staggering, but it's like, you know. I mean, stuff like that happened a lot. I mean, look at, you know, America, Native Americans and stuff. Happens all the time, unfortunately. Sadly. So these cities, uh, mostly there were like two capital cities, the one um, in what is now Mexico and another one, I believe in what is today Peru. There were these two cities and then all of this gold was found. And so these rumors of like, man, these cities are really nice. Man, there's a lot of gold here. And the 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 locals themselves had stories about this golden city. Okay. Gave birth to the story of El Dorado. Mm. This was like in the 1500s, the 1600s, right? So about 300 years later, Percy Fawcett is exploring South America and he's mapping it out. Um, you know, trying just mapping it out, sometimes going being the first European to explore these parts of the jungle ever. Okay. First guy ever. And now he's hearing stories about this golden city, but he doesn't call it El Dorado. He gives it another city. Uh, Zed. Zed. Which uh, is just the letter Z. Yeah, yeah. That's how you say it in, in, uh, in, in British. Old English. <laughs> they still, yeah, I mean, uh, even Australia, they say Zed. Oh, well, there you go. I guess uh, in America, we're weird. We say Z. Yeah. So in 1924, um, he decides to make a trip to find this city. Okay. Um, and he brings just two people with him. He's going real light. Um, but he disappears on the trip and is never seen again. And he brings uh, his son with him, who also disappears on the trip. And okay. Never seen again. The three people, uh, they just vanish. And so nobody ever finds out what happened to Percy Fawcett. And th there's that's kind of where the story, uh, where the mystery kind of begins and okay. ends. Because there's always been this question of, did something bad happen? Did he get killed by some natives? Like, People don't know. Um, I'll give you some interesting like little tidbits. Sure. Some little clues uh, where people have tried to piece together what may have happened to Percy Fawcett and this lost expedition when he was looking for the city of Zed. I want to believe that he found uh, the city of Zed and like Scrooge McDuck into like some gold coins or something. Yeah, probably. <laughs> uh, okay. Him and his uh, son. Okay, so some clues to give you some hints as to what may have happened to Percy. First okay. of all, um, you know, I kind of glossed over that while he was um, researching the Amazon, he did find a manuscript known as Manuscript 512. Okay. Uh, that was written by an explorer who had visited South America in 1753 who claimed to have found ruins of a city with um, arches and statues and okay. hieroglyphs. That's cool. This is the, golden arches. Yeah, maybe the city's location was undisclosed. So this is what Percy was looking yeah, for yeah, yeah. when he thought he was looking for the city of Zed. On May 29th, 1925, he wrote a letter. This was his last known correspondence. Uh, he wrote it to his wife 
It was delivered by some like local runners who were able to like get it to her. It was from a location known as Dead Horse Camp. Percy had explored the Amazon previously and his horse had died mm-hmm. uh, at this location on a previous expedition. And so he set up a camp there and named it Dead Horse Camp. He wrote from Dead Horse Camp um, that, you know, just telling his wife about the hardships and the things he was facing, but told her, you need have no fear of any failure because he was confident that he was going to be successful in his endeavors. He was never heard from again. Oh, um, never trust a manuscript. Yeah. So his companion, who I said had gone with him on several uh, occasions, uh-huh. his name was Henry Coston. Henry had not gone with him on this final expedition, but he had, in his opinion, said that Percy was so good with the locals. He doubts that he was killed. Um, He thinks that Percy disappearing probably means he ran out of food or died of exhaustion. There's, there's so many ways you can die in that type of environment. Yes. That it's hard to, (laughs) yeah. That being said, Percy, when he went on this expedition, gave strict orders to anybody back at home. He says, if I don't come back, don't come looking for me. Oh, shit. Because I don't want you to suffer the same fate that befell me. That being said, uh, one man did go looking for him, uh-huh. whose name is not known to history, but all we know is that this guy um, also died. <laughs> so the, the warning was true. Don't go looking for Percy or you will suffer the same fate. Don't go chasing waterfalls. In 1951, uh, yeah, please stick to the rivers and the lakes that you used to. About 26 years later, um, some local tribes in South America claimed to have the bones of Percy Fawcett and said that, um, well, their stories kind of changed. It was like, oh, we didn't kill him, but uh, we know who did. But, oh, yeah, we killed him. But he was, uh, you know, he was hitting on my wife. But the stories changed back and forth. The bones were uh, tested by scientists, but were determined not to be a part of Percy Fawcett's family. Okay. So that story was bogus. Um, one, uh, another explorer who went looking for Percy, a Danish explorer named Arne Falk Rone, um, journeyed there in the 60s. Sorry, I made such a weird face when you said that name. I didn't want to like, offend anyone who has a weird name like Arne that. Falk Rohn. I, went, I literally went like, Ugh, like, but, oh. He went looking for Percy in the 60s and found a local tribe who told him a story that Percy's boat had suffered an accident while on the river, and they had dropped all their treasure into the water and were unable to retrieve it. Oh. And later on, when they had come to a tribe and asked for um, hospitality... Without having any treasures to trade, it was seen as like highly disrespectful. So okay. the, the three men were killed. I can see that. It says that the two younger companions were thrown into the river, but Percy being older at this time, considered um, dignified, was given a proper burial. This is an unconfirmed story, but this is something that is circulated among the people. Yeah. Uh, it's like an oral uh, tradition that's passed down in the area. I mean, it, it makes the most sense. Yeah. In 1979, mm-hmm. check this out. Percy's ring showed up in a pawn shop. Whoa. Where? In South America. Wow. They pawned his shit. What is that? It's like 54 years later. Damn. 54. That to me is the most fascinating part. Yeah. Because yeah. 
This guy in 1925 went looking for a lost city of gold, disappeared, and 54 years later, his ring shows up in a pawn shop. What's that about? I don't know. Someone must have found it in the dirt or something. A new theory was formulated after the ring surfaced that uh, Fawcett and his companions may have been killed by bandits and their bodies dumped after they were looted. I have a new theory. They want to start a new life. You think they made it? Yeah. I think they uh, pretended like they died so they could be together. It's my head. Um, yeah. The most recent um, searches for Percy Fawcett were in 2003 and 2004. Okay. Uh, a couple of film documentary filmmakers went down to try to find his story. They were unable to come to any conclusions other than they also believe that the that the team was killed by some local primitive tribes. Okay. All that being said, we don't know what happened to Percy Fawcett, but, but we do have satellite images of South America. I don't have them here today (laughs) to show you, but in the hundred years since Percy went exploring, looking for the lost city of Z, we've actually flown satellites over the area that he was exploring. And you know what we found? Death. Do you think the city exists or not? Uh, El Dorado or Zed? Uh, it's hard to say. I, I would say no. I'm going to play contrarian. Well, you're half right. Oh. El Dorado and the city made out of gold itself does not exist in the way that Europeans thought it did it wasn't like there weren't structures made out of gold yeah but satellite images did find evidence of a a super city in the amazon deep within it that's cool they found these trenches that they never paid attention to for hundreds of years but once they look at them from the sky they can Mm. see that these trenches are actually foundational trenches that were cut so that people could build walls for temples, arenas, pavilions. Not only that, they had roads that connected vast swaths of the jungle together. Mm -hmm. So this, I call it a super city because it was actually a connection of several smaller village communes that were all connected within a network of roads and walls. And they say that like up to 50 million people could have been living in this network. It sounds like they, yeah, they built like a little city, maybe like a marketplace. Multiple cities, multiple cities, roads. They would actually section off parts of the jungle with wooden fences so that they could harvest animals and crops in the jungle without disrupting the jungle. That's cool. One of the problems um, that scientists had for years, they didn't think a city existed because the Amazon was not fertile. You couldn't grow anything. You couldn't grow crops um, in the soil because it wasn't good for crops, Mm. but they found that the tribes could make the crops fertile themselves on purpose, uh, using human waste to fertilize it. And so they would specifically fertilize certain parts of the forest. And, um, yeah, these super cities did exist and they were bountiful with food, Mm. bountiful with, um, you know, probably did, you know, were did have gold workers working there, I would assume, if, if 
gold was really that prevalent. But I think more the golden city was that there was so much opportunity and it was just a good place to live mm. and a good place to have a life, which is why it may have been known as the golden city. What are you going to say? Something stupid. Go ahead. <laughs> I was gonna. I was gonna say the gold. The golden city was the friendship we made on the way. It was. The only thing is, uh, these cities were um, made to not impact the landscape too much. So all of the buildings were made out of wood. So over time, as I previously mentioned in this episode, ninety-five percent of the population, up to ninety-five percent of oh, the population, yeah. could have disappeared due to disease. These cities just became abandoned. And eventually eroded to time. Oh, yeah. The wooden walls crumbled. Um, they weren't made out of stone. And all that remains are the um, ditches and grooves and foundation that was cut. And it was basically all grown over. The jungle took it back. And that is why Percy okay. Fawcett was never able to find yeah. the city. He was probably right on top of it and never had any idea. I, I love stuff like that. Uh, you'd be surprised how uh, quick... Just like cities can crumble when no one's there. Uh, I watched like a History Channel show on it. Uh, it was talking about like what would happen if humans went extinct, like how quickly. I mean, you can see with Chernobyl, it's just like all, the plants just grow back yeah. and take everything over. And the, and the, the, uh, the buildings just crumble. So that's it. That's the story. Okay. That was fun. I yeah. enjoyed that. Uh, thanks. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I want to find the city. Uh, <laughs> he said not to follow him, dude. Yeah, well, we we followed him from space. Yeah, I mean, they cut down so much of the Amazon, it's probably easy. Probably just walk, walk in. Yeah, what do you think about today's story? Leave a comment in the chat below if you enjoyed it, and be sure to follow us on social media at Make a Strange Podcast on Instagram and Make a Strange 666 on Twitter. Yes. We'll be back next Saturday with a brand new episode. Until then, stay strange, everybody. Good night. Good night.